Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 65 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Michael Gass of Fueling New Business, who shares how to use content marketing to get more leads for your agencies in just 30 days. Since 2007, Michael has pioneered the use of social media, content, and inbound marketing strategies to help agencies win new business, and he's taught those strategies to over 200 agencies in all 50 states and over 20 countries. If there's one thing I hear again and again from agency owners, is that they simply don't have the time to build and execute an active content marketing strategy. Today, Michael makes a case for why it's crucial that you find the time to make content a priority, and he shares his framework for how you can get started and be generating leads in only 30 days. If you're skeptical of the value of content marketing for your agency, or you're worried it's going to take too long to get results, this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Michael. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Good to be with you, Andy. So let's just jump right into things. Why is content such a valuable strategy to help agencies drum up new business? Well, what I found that um, prospective clients, they're looking for expertise. The average Fortune 500 company has 17 agency relationships, and the agency uh, of record is pretty much dissipated because what they're really looking for is, is expertise And full service just doesn't mean what it used to. When it comes to content, do you see that as a way for them to establish that expertise? It is because the commonality among experts is that experts write. And so it's very conducive for this, you know, a lot of importance being placed now on on content marketing. Uh, We had so many that jumped on the content marketing bandwagon in 2015. It's almost a gluttony of content. Uh, And then so much of it is nonspecific. It doesn't have a particular target audience. So it's very, very generic. But this is a way to establish um, a positioning of expertise to a particular target group and to be able to do that quickly. And I think you hit on something there when you said a lot of the content out there is generic because not only does it speak to nobody really, it's just something that's out there and it'll be like five marketing tips for business owners like that. that who, who cares? But the other part of it is that a lot of the content is written by people who don't actually have expertise in the field that they're writing about. So even if it is specific, it's not really giving insights that truly show expertise because people writing it aren't experts. Have you found that to be the case as well? I found that to be the case, but you know, you can pick a particular focus and really get up to speed very quickly um, as far as developing uh, a, a very strong reading program and then in the execution in uh, developing the content. Um, I had an agency that uh, their niche uh, one of their niches is Millennial Marketing. They actually own MillennialMarketing.com. Jeff Fromm, who's over business development for the agency, whose father started uh, the agency, said, you know, I, I really don't know anything about Millennial Marketing other than I have three of my own. Uh, so three millennials in his family. But it was amazing at how quickly Jeff got up to speed because it's almost like it's your personalized uh professional enrichment tool. So it's, you know, I've got two master level degrees. And when I went at this, I, you know, I I viewed it almost like a grad program. And when I get up every morning, I know exactly what I need to read. And, you know, I've got my assignments and it just um, does so much to get you where you need to be. I'm fully on board with this movement and with doing content marketing right, especially as a way to drum up new business for agencies. But I know a lot of people still are getting it wrong. So how do you think agencies need to think about content marketing to actually do it right and to actually see results? Well, most agencies really didn't get involved in social media until about 2010. And and when they 
jumped in, they literally just jumped in. And it was almost like a checklist. Uh, we now have an agency blog check. We've got an agency Twitter account. Uh, we've got a Facebook fan page. We've got a LinkedIn company account. And they wonder why they're not generating any business. And they forget that social media is all about people connecting with people. And what they're trying to do is lead with brick and mortar. And when they create an agency blog, they usually do a team blog approach because nobody likes to write. And so, you know, if I don't have to write a post, but every two or three months, you know, I'll do that. Uh, but few commit the time, uh, you know, and it, it's kind of a fruitless exercise. A lot of agencies uh, uh, tend to let the blog go away because they're just not generating much from it. But again, they're either creating content about themselves, uh, promotional type content, uh, or content that is generic and not specific to a particular target and to their marketing challenges. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking with someone who is a solo consultant right now, but they previously were a developer at an agency. And we were talking about content marketing, and they were saying that when they were at the agency, they had to write one blog post a quarter. Everyone on their team did, and when they split it up that way, it would be one blog post a week. And they're like, all right, the system's going to be great. And he said that even when it was that infrequent, he just couldn't find the time to do it. He hated writing. He hated doing all of that. And you see that a lot in the agencies when they try to spread out the responsibility amongst the entire team. Because a lot of the team members, they don't see it as their job. This isn't something they want to do. And it's just so hard to overcome. But the agency owners, the principals, often feel like they don't have the time to do it all themselves. So how do you find that balance of having someone truly take ownership of this while balancing all of their other responsibilities? You have to really show them the benefits. And, uh, you know, one of the benefits for me is I've been in business development my, my whole ad career. I'm a cold caller from way back. I did 45 to 75 cold calls a day. And, but I've been in consulting now, uh, for 10 years and I've been, I've been able to build an international consulting group with, without a single cold call. And, and over those 10 years, I've never made any kind of, uh, of a cold call for any new business and the business comes and what is the magnet that creates the appeal is the content. And so if I can spend the time to do the things that enrich me professionally and help me to really understand my prospects' challenges and then to clearly articulate not only the challenges but coming up with the solutions, it, it just does so much for me uh, that it's worth the time. But that it's the fuel for new business is absolutely incredible. I, and I think you hit it right on the head because so many agency owners, business owners, just people in general who are getting into content marketing view it as a checklist and they view it as a cost center. They say, all right, if we want to stay with the times, we need to have a blog. We need to have an active social presence. We need to do this. We need to do that. But they're not looking at the why. They're not trying to understand why those things are important. They're just trying to check the box and say that they've done it. And when you have that attitude about it, it is hard to find the time. But when you actually understand the power of content and the power of social media to amplify that content, to build relationships, and how that can bring new business back to your agency, then it's not even really a question of like, how do you find the time? Because you're going to make the time because this is what really drives the agency. Yeah, most agency owners, you know, when I conduct these workshops, and I've done over uh, 260 of these um, at agencies, and they're, they're telling me, please don't ask me to do anything else. My plate is full. And I tell them, you know, it's not a question of adding something to your plate. It's just changing the way you've done this in the past. Uh, there's a paradigm that has taken place, a paradigm shift in the way we generate new business. And instead of chasing new business, uh, it's all about being found. And so there's a strong strategy that goes with this that helps your prospects uh, 
to develop awareness for you quickly. I mean, I'd only worked in two markets my whole ad career. And when I got into consulting, I knew that that was going to be a problem. How am I going to build awareness beyond those two markets where I had zero awareness? And when I started creating content, one of the first things that I started to do is developing my blog, Fuel Lines, Fueling Ad Agency, New Business. And my fourth client is on the West Coast in Costa Mesa, California. I'm in a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama called Alabaster. And I was so afraid of even putting Alabaster, Alabama on a business card that anybody would even take me seriously. But I'm sitting on the West Coast in February, and uh, this is my fourth client. And I thought, what would it have taken using traditional marketing methods to generate this kind of opportunity? And that's when I was all in. And so, you know, it's just cause and effect. You you create that content and you start building your online community. You know, I preach community development comes before business development. And you build that online community. And if you do those things right and you have the right calls to action, then, you know, you start generating leads. And it's consistent. And when you say community development comes before business development, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, you, you've got to build an online community of prospects, and you've got to be very proactive in doing that. There's a number of tactics that you can utilize, like Twitter. Uh, between two Twitter accounts, Fuel Lines and then Michael Gas, uh, we've got 104,000 Twitter followers. That generates a significant amount of traffic to the site. And as people click on those links, uh, reading uh, my content that I'm sharing, uh, that just accelerates uh, my SEO. And I own the number one position for ad agency, new business, and organic search. And I've been able to maintain that for 10 years. Uh, and, you know, it's just building that online community and fueling that. Uh, there's ways like even with LinkedIn. LinkedIn's got a feature uh, called People You May Know. And if you click on those recommended uh, persons to connect with, uh, and some of them, you know, you don't even know. But if they're a part of your target, there's a built-in algorithm in LinkedIn that makes that stronger and stronger. And you see more of your target popping up in those suggestions. And you just take the time on a daily basis to click those. And a good percentage of those are going to connect with you, whether they know you or not. And you use a tool like with Twitter, uh, Manage Flitter is one that I recommend. And, you know, I can build a Twitter following based on maybe a Twitter account of an association that uh, my prospective clients are affiliated with, like the 4As, uh, RSW, Catapult New Business, some of those. You can even build a Twitter following off your competitors using the two. Wow. And I can see the power of that. And I like when you said that when you first got that West Coast client, you were thinking to yourself, how could I have possibly replicated this with more traditional techniques? If you were cold calling, I can't even imagine the process that would have taken for you to work your way over that far and even get them to listen to you. And that makes me think of another question is that how is the relationship different when prospects are coming to you rather than when you're reaching out to them? When, when they find you online, when they see the content you're putting out there, and when they decide, hey, I want to work with this guy, how does that change your relationship? Uh, you skip the dating process and move right to the altar. Um, you know, and it's amazing. It's one of the other uh, additional benefits of using social media for new business. Because when a prospective client initiates the call, they're ready for business. And we skip all the other stuff. They don't have to get to know me. They know me. Uh, they talk to me as if, you know, this is our 30th conversation when it's our initial conversation. And, you know, they they know my pets, my hobbies, my family, uh, my travels, my business. Uh, there is a strong emotional connection. And it goes back to my premise even um, – before getting into social media back in 2007 is that people want to work with other people that they know, trust, and like. 
And so this is a tremendous way to be able to build that and that you can do it from any place. I mean, we love to spend time on our boat. We've got a houseboat and go there a lot of times on weekends. Sometime I'll spend weeks at a time there because anywhere that I've got an internet connection, I can be doing business development. And it's just so much easier. So you have to help them to understand the efficiencies and the effectiveness of it and that it makes new business actually easier, not harder. And so when you're developing that kind of relationship uh, and I mean, this is like a new business person has died and gone to heaven. This is what new business heaven, the right prospect at the right time initiates the, the call and it's a right fit because you've already been vetted. You know, chemistry is a big part of business development. And looking back over the years, I have never had a bad client relationship. And I think the reason for that is the chemistry that's involved and those that I don't resonate with. And it's hard for us to take, but, you know, some people just aren't going to like you and they don't ever call. So I don't waste time with the wrong prospects and I'm developing relationships with the right prospects that, you know, we have some points of appeal. We share some same value or some s- similar culture or, you know, even a hobby or something. But we- we've got more of a, a personal connection. And so that conversation is so far down the road. I preach this to my clients. Don't make that initial contact. If you do this program right your prospective client is going to call you when they're ready and don't pick that too green. The dynamic of that relationship is so different when they initiate the call. If you make the call, you're chasing business. If they're calling you, they're chasing you. And that's the position you want to be in. When you talk to most agency owners who have been in the business for a while, Hopefully, a lot of them have figured out processes, whether it's qualification, whether it's it's whatever, that help eliminate a lot of the problem clients. But I, I like when you said that if you show them who you are through your content, if, if they understand your personality, understand you, they might not all like you. But those ones that don't like you and who you might not like, they're not going to be reaching out. And so the ones that have decided, hey, this is someone I want to work with, this is someone I want to partner with – they are far and away going to be good fits who, one, they know you, who you are, what you stand for, and they agree with it. But two, they're going to see you as an expert, and so they're going to defer to you on many things rather than have that that typical adversarial relationship between agency and client where the client is trying to push everyone around and the agency is trying to do its best, and it just doesn't work out. So this seems like a great way to avoid all of that. And once you have that buy-in from your clients, from people in your workshops, from all of that, once someone, an agency owner has raised their hand and say, like, all right, I'm ready to do this, what is the process you, you take them through to actually get a content marketing system up and running? Well, when I work with clients, we always do a, a workshop at the agency where I, I give them an around-the-ranch view of the strategies, tactics, and tools that we're going to utilize so that everybody's on the same page. Then we'll do in the afternoon a positioning exercise that the takeaway from that is everything that's needed to be able to create what I call a niche blog and a blog that lives off-site that's usually built around the agency owner or owners because in practicality, they're the least likely persons to leave. And, you know, the, the agency... Um, you know, it's their value, their culture, uh, that's, you know, an extension of them. And what I found over time as I started doing this, uh, most agencies are in a perpetual state of rebranding and they can never quite get over that hump. And they're in a perpetual state of redesigning the website. This was so problematic in the beginning that we started to create this niche blog offsite for practical reasons, but then we found this is just so much more effective because we get away from the agency. We're not leading with the agency. We're not hiding the fact that there's a connection, but it's it's deeper in like the profile page. Uh, and then 
the agency website is all about the agency. It's their online brochure. It's the place for credentials, capabilities, and case studies. It's all about you. But the focus on the niche blog, living off-site, it's all about the prospect. So none of that self-promotional content should be there. And it should be good, helpful information, even when you're writing information for your calls to action. It should be the kind of calls to action that speak to the takeaway uh, from the prospect and what and how it's going to benefit them. And so the, the emphasis is so different, and I like the clear distinction, and that you can have it live off-site. Um, I, I use a fishing analogy. We're going to fish for specific fish with a particular bait, We're going to get the bait away from the boat so we don't scare off the fish. And because it's a fishing expedition, you don't have to have buy-in with the whole agency. And agencies, they really have no positioning. They look and sound just alike, even though they think they're different, they're not. And they're afraid of positioning because all they can think about is missed opportunities. So if I was trying to help them with their positioning that they've uh, battled years and still not willing to do what's necessary to make the hard business decisions, when we do this uh, positioning exercise in the afternoon, they start sweating bullets like, how in two to two and a half hours can we resolve the positioning when we've never been able to do that before? And then I carry them through this outline for creating the niche blog And it's never failed. I mean, seriously, in doing this over 260 times, uh, we have never failed to get the positioning where it needed to be. And then they're amazed. And like, how could we do this? And I tell them, you know, you, you have no risk. I mean, this thing could be a total flop and you could have no risk. Uh, it doesn't have to impact anything that you're doing on the website. It creates no confusion because it doesn't live there. That it lives apart, it's its own uh, focus group. And it helps me to help them to drill down to a much more specific target than they've ever dreamed possible. When I heard you talk about that concept of having the niche blog live off-site, that was immediately when I was like, all right, I really need to reach out and talk to Michael about this because speaking with so many agency owners, freelancers, whatever, anyone in the creative space, they hate the idea of niching down. While they might intellectually understand it, it's just a really hard pill to swallow because like you said, a lot of times – they're worried about what they have to turn away and they're worried about, all right, well, what if I want to change it down the road? There's so many fears that are well-founded and I understand them. And in having the niche blog live off site, it was just like the, the magic pill in my opinion, because it really just makes all of those go away. And for this particular target that we address, you know, that is the gateway that you want them, um, you know, when they go to the website, After they learn more of who you are, they want to look under the hood. They're going to do their due diligence. They'll make that connection. And, you know, then they see the credentials, capabilities, and case studies. I mean, that's when they're ready to view those things, when they look deeper to see if their perception of who you are is, you know, matches up with reality. How narrow do you suggest agencies go when they're setting up this niche blog? If you can't go to a list broker and easily create a list, you're not niched enough. And you've got to have a very uh, specific target. Uh, I've got an agency in Norfolk, Virginia that uh, Artillery Marketing is the name of the agency. And the agency owner is a VMI graduate. His father was a general in the Army. Uh, We get through this positioning exercise. He's in the back door of Washington, D.C., He's done a lot of work with defense contractors, and it's like, duh. I mean, you don't get it. <laughs> you know, uh, artillery marketing, you, you, you ought to be focused on defense contractors. And, you know, his first thought was, what about the community bank? Uh, what about our local college? Uh, he's, he's thinking immediately about missed opportunities. And when I explain how to do this, then he starts creating this 
niche blog addressing uh, defense contractors where there was no content specific to them when we started. And, uh, you know, now he's known globally in that niche. Um, but he's not missing any opportunities because it's not reflected in the website. Right. The website isn't turning away people outside of that because if you just go to the website, you don't even realize the other side exists. But if you find the niche first, you're going to go to the website and see it through those colored glasses by knowing, all right, these are the guys that have this expertise. And, you know, a good example of how this works, uh, in my opinion, this allows small to mid-sized agencies go after some really big fish. Um, I've got a, an agency in Louisville, Kentucky, that is primarily a media agency with about 43 people in the media department, only three in creative. Uh, they've got an 800-pound gorilla client that they've had for 20-plus years. If that client goes away, it, it is a detriment, a severe detriment to the agency. So they're in a precarious position, as many agencies are. Um, and then how do we utilize this and, and you know, develop this niche blog uh, based on that kind of background? We found that working with their primary media client, uh, which was Kroger, they helped Kroger start a lot of stores. And that came out in our discussion and so we came up with the store starters, and it was marketing resources for great grand openings as the tag. We built it around the agency owners, the president, Scott Kuhn, Dave Carter, who serves as the creative director. They had been trolling, I meant bottom feeding for any kind of project work to help build their portfolio. But through that positioning of expertise that these are the two store starting gurus, Burlington Coat Factory, a national brand calls, and without an RFP and without a pitch, they asked them to help start 22 new stores. And that's the way it works when it's done correctly. And it's amazing at how little time you can establish that positioning of expertise when it's that focused. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working in the workshop, when you're working directly with, with clients and you're helping them set this up, you get them to, to come to terms with their positioning. You get them to set up the blog separately. You get, you get all that. What happens next? How quickly are they able to really plant their flag and say that they're an expert? Do they just start blogging on day one? What do you do with them next from there? Well, we follow the outline to get all the uh, necessary information to be able to create the niche blog and we start out with the target audience and we clearly identify the target then we come up with a tagline and in the exercise we do some wordsmithing you know what are the words that we know need to be in that tag and then we start wordsmithing around that but it's going to be kind of plain spoken very direct of the purpose and intent of the blog and then we come up with something a little more clever uh, i had uh, my very first client uh, the only female creative director at the time in Birmingham. And then we found that 97% of all creative directors in the country are male, only uh, 3% female. So we, we looked at that as being kind of a niche, but she worked primarily with male advertisers because she didn't like working with women. So <laughs> we're trying to come up with some kind of a niche here. Uh, and we came up with Shikonomy, S-H-E hyphen C-O-N-O-M-Y, a guy's guide to marketing to women. And we learned that women made most of the brand purchases. Um, they made more uh, purchases at Home Depot and Lowe's than men did. They bought more consumer electronics from places like Radio Shack than men. Uh, women even bought more NFL and NBA apparel over men because they're the purchasing agent for the family. But this put this small agency uh, on the map. And in a short period of time, Porsche calls and hires the agency president to come in and consult and help to develop a marketing campaign to women. They'd never had those kind of opportunities until, you know, they created this positioning of expertise. But writing is the hardest part. Uh, once you nail down, you know, this outline on, on the target, the tag, the title, 
keywords to incorporate in every post title that connect the audience to the content, and then the categories. You have a blog that's very, very focused. The hardest part in the implementation is, is creating content. So you have to help each agency to develop their own customized content creation program. So I have them write 30 posts in 30 days. And I, I really press to get it done in that period of time because anything and everything, it's an agency, is going to come up, you know. And we work through those things. And when we find ourselves at a point where we're not consistent, you know, we find solutions. If we need to add a member to the writing team, if we need to get an outside source or, or what have you. But once we're through those 30 posts, we have a system of content creation. So it's almost like a stress test right off the bat. You're going to push whatever system or lack of a system that they have to the limit, see where it breaks, fix it. And then when you come out of that, you know that you're going to be able to handle whatever comes down the road. Right. And there's a, a way to write content. Copywriters struggle to write online content. I mean, they forget about the searchability. Uh, they're more accustomed to writing for print. They don't understand that most people online don't read the way they read offline. They don't read word for word. They scan. And so the post has to be scannable. And you've got to get to the point quickly. So I, I actually have them to develop a subtitle that answers the question, what is my benefit or takeaway as a reader if I commit the time to read your post? Answer that in a single sentence. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've taken the last sentence in the post and moved it up to the top. Uh, and then that gives direction and clarity to the reader. Of you know, So you need to understand it's, it's more like the way a reporter would write for a newspaper in that it's an inverted pyramid style of writing. The most important content is at the top. So they're learning that process as well, as well as, you know, getting uh, everybody in place that can help with this effort. And so maybe the face of the blog, that agency owner is not writing all of the content, but they are adding their tonality. And so we structured a way, even in the editing process, to simplify how we're going to create content because most agencies need new business now. They can't wait. So once we're done, we've got the 30 posts. We've developed our calls to action, like I would add consulting as a service line. Uh, what is the first step that you usually take with a new client that you're probably not getting paid for? Let's carve that out and make that an initial step for a prospect that they pay for. Right. So like an audit or something like that? Right. So a market audit, brand audit, whatever, that is going to help you get your head around their challenges. But my feeling is agencies give their thinking away too much for free. And anytime you give a prescription to a problem to a prospect, it ought to be a paid engagement. Uh, I even added uh, Pick My Brain as one of my services just for phone calls. I mean, how many emails do you get asking people just asking to pick your brain? So when you put that up as a service, you're kind of making it clear, like, if you want to pick my brain, there's value in that, and so I'm going to charge. Yep. And I'll, I'll point them to that page, you know, if they ask that question, like in an email or what have you. Uh, and just prior to this interview, I, I have received another Pick My Brain session request. It's amazing at how they value the time when they're paying for it. And, you know, it's uh, they're more conscientious of the clock than I am. And uh, they're very respectful of the time. And you get so much more accomplished. And they value that. And if they're not willing to pay for even the Pick My Brain session, you know, they're not a viable prospect. Because so many prospective clients will meet with you, and they're like a sponge. They want to get all they can for free. They have no intentions of working with you. And that's, that's just so disrespectful. Right. And most agencies don't have a way, a process set up to discourage that or make it so that that's not an option. And it's funny because I recently was talking with Blair Enns, whose entire manifesto, his entire 
almost purpose of existence in terms of the business side of things is about discouraging agencies from from giving away their most valuable assets, their their strategy and all of that for free. And I mean, I think you hit nail on the head and having one of these initial audits, having a road mapping session, whatever you want to call it, is a huge way to set up some barriers and, and kind of set the tone. But at the same time too, it, it gives prospects a way to test the waters when working with you. That's at a much smaller price point than a large engagement. And they get to see what it's like to work with you. They get to make the decision, is this who I want to partner with? And that's a much easier decision to make when it's in the hundreds to maybe a few thousand dollars rather than the ten thousands of dollars for a full project. And think about the efficiencies of it. Again, you're not chasing business. They're pursuing you. So the dynamic, again, has changed. That's why you can add pick my brain or consulting as initial steps with a prospective client. And, you know, a lot of times they don't want to be all in initially. And they want to take some smaller steps. And that's fine as long as you're getting, uh, you know, paid for your time. But I want for my clients that first face-to-face meeting with a prospect to be a paid engagement. Mm -hmm. And how do you get people from the content on the niche site? How do you get them to pay for the audit? Do you have, is it just truly a call to action that says, want to learn more, click here, give me your information, we'll set something up or like a payment form? How does that actually work? It's it's more, again, of leading with benefits. And and I, I like the process because it helps us to start thinking more like the prospect instead of like the agency. We're so accustomed to, you know, our credentials and, and selling ourselves, and we need to step back. I mean, what does um, an engagement look like from the perspective of the prospect? What's their takeaway going to be? What's their benefit? And when you explain it that way, to make this program better, I encourage like a one-page new business report to be done at the end of each month and even a stand-up meeting with the team to review. And you're going to get information there in that one pager that's going to help you to review and revise. And one of the things that uh, is always evolving and changing based on our personal engagement with the prospects is getting better at creating that kind of content, those stronger calls to action. And what I find, if it's written from their perspective, that's so much stronger than you simply presenting again your credentials because you've already established a positioning of expertise. You don't need that any longer. Uh, you just need to tell them more of how this benefits them. What What's their benefit going to be if you conduct a workshop as an initial step? Uh, what's the deliverable? How is a market audit going to make their challenges better? And you know, just doing it in that way. Of, of those first 30 posts, do they all have a call to action that leads to some sort of audit or are there different CTAs no, no, that you use? All the action on the post. Uh, let it reside on the blog site as separate pages. And they're smart people. You know, when they want to go a little further, they'll do that. But there have been studies done on promotional content and the negativity from that, like, when I'm working with agencies, I have to help them purge this out of their system because they can't help it. At the end of the post, it's like, if you have a need, call me, you know, and it's like, no, no, that's or They want to write the initial post is how to choose an ad agency. <laughs> and I tell them that's just veiled self-promotion. Right. Your audience is smarter than that. Right. And when they get to that point in the article, when they end the article, even if they've been nodding their head in agreement the entire time they've been reading it, once they see that pitch directly in the article at the end, they're going to immediately discredit everything that you've been sent to. It's like, oh, okay, this guy's just trying to sell me. Now, what I would do is include like your uh, the author profile. It's amazing. Uh, one study that I read just a couple of weeks ago, it's like 85% of the content that's read online, they can't um, – they can't connect it with a particular author. And that's a problem like even the team blog approach. A lot of people like Mashable. And uh, I'll I'll say, all right, identify a single author. Name me a single author uh, from the content you've read from Mashable, and they can't do it. So 
we want to reinforce the authorship of the post. And so we'll include, um, you know, an author box at the bottom to be sure that there's that connection being made, but it's not promotional content. I'm going to stop Michael right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Michael. They have the idea of the structure. They have they understand all of it that goes into it. They've got those thirty blog posts written. Do those thirty posts go up immediately? Is it one a day for those thirty days as they're written? They go up as soon as they're written. Okay. And if we have two in a day, we'll spread those out. Uh, but we want we want it to start being indexed by Google in search. Nobody's going to get to the site unless you know they have the link, and because it's new. But we go through the content creation phase, and then the second phase is we up the traffic. And there's two ways in upping the traffic. Again, we've been uh, doing the community building as they've been creating content. So we have a larger following uh, that's more targeted in Twitter and across LinkedIn. These are personal accounts, too. They're not the agency accounts. And... uh, you know, I get some pushback on like using Facebook, but that that is such a strong emotional connector uh, with an audience that you you don't want to negate any of those. Uh, but you've got to go through some community building tactics uh, so that you're ready. And uh, so we'll use Twitter. We'll use LinkedIn. There's tools that we'll use to uh, propagate that um, uh, those posts at a frequency that is acceptable to each platform. One post an hour in Twitter is not overload for most audiences. Doing that in Facebook will get you killed. And so you've got to learn the right frequency uh, across those. And then we start promoting that content by sharing the post title and that URL. Uh, We'll also um, send out like an email newsletter that's reflective of the blog template, that's not coming from the agency, it's coming from the person. And so it's, it's again, very personal. It'll have like their photo, their image, uh, you know, but we'll purchase most of the time, we'll purchase a list. Um, resources like the list out of Atlanta that a lot of agencies use, there are other sources uh, for doing that, uh, but we'll even purchase a list because we've got a strong target. Some are apprehensive in doing that, but if it's done the right way, it follows the Can Spam Act and is not in violation there. Uh, but we send it out not saying this is the first newsletter. Everything has the appearance of age. The blog looks like it's been there for a long time. Nothing to indicate that it's only a month old. We'll do the newsletter kind of the same way. Um, and I say this because this is a practice that even all of the uh, email service providers uh, do. Because <laughs> I've kept track. All of the major email service providers have sent me a newsletter at some point. I've never signed up for any of them. And they're going to ask you not once, twice, but three times usually, you know, is this an opt-in list? And you, you should treat it as such. And I've got an article on the website written by Dave Curry, president of the list, that goes into detail about that. Uh, but the size of that list is going to help determine the initial traffic to the site. And so you can't wait nine or 12 months 
you know, to do all of these things to build your opt-in, you've got to be, be able to hit the ground running and get that initial traffic there. As that traffic is clicking on those links, again, the searchability of your content is going to greatly accelerate. And, you know, it's amazing to me. I even work with SEO agencies. And I, I remember the first one in Boston. They've been doing SEO since 1998. And I'm like, all I know about searchability is I believe Google wants you to be able to find what you're searching for. And so the blog is themed to that. Um, the way that we use keywords in the post title uh, works as well for Twitter as it does for search. Like I put ad agency new business in almost every post title to the point that I'll usually get called out on it by a copywriter every month or so. Uh, but see, again, they forget the tactic and how well that it's used. And when I did that initial workshop for the SEO agency, they were dumbfounded. It's like, how could we have missed the impact that social is having on search? And I'll even uh, have agencies use Google Plus, and everybody's written Google Plus off, but, you know, who owns Google Plus? Oh, and it's for the searchability, uh, and they'll enhance the searchability of your post if it's posted in Google Plus. And I've, I've seen that through experience. I mean, hearing you talk about the depth of launching to the list and working with all those different angles is really impressive to me because I think that's one of the major complaints a lot of people have when it comes to content marketing is is the length of time it takes to start getting results. And I think when you can pair that up with marketing to a narrowly targeted and well-defined list, you're able to get some of those benefits of just more immediate traffic while you wait for Google to catch up. And also at the same time, that immediate traffic, like you said, will help get them there a little quicker. You're in a position really in 30 days to start developing leads. Right. And that's something that almost no one is saying typically when it comes to content marketing. And so once things are out there, once you've had this big push in the very beginning, what does it typically look like going forward for these agencies to keep this blog going? Well, I use the KISS principle when I've developed the program and understanding the agency culture as I do. I view everything as, you know, what can we sustain when we're at our busiest? Once we do the 30 posts in 30 days, I get them on a more realistic writing schedule of a post a week. And that's doable, no matter how busy you are. And they know it's doable because they now have a system in place and it's a breeze to knock out one post when they've been knocking out seven a week. And it really does help them to learn these efficiencies and time management skills so that uh, the person who leads the process, who takes my place when I'm no longer in the picture, it takes them an hour to an hour and a half per day to do what's necessary to keep the program running. And you've got to have somebody that's going to be the rudder of the ship. And so an hour and a half of a business development director's time uh, is not too much to ask when it's this focused. They move in a transition from, I'm not saying don't do outbound. I'm just saying 90% of what we're doing right now in most agencies is outbound related and only maybe 10% inbound. That needs to be reversed. And when people zig, you ought to zag. So, you know, still do some outbound, but the greater emphasis is on inbound. But you're in a position to make that transition very quickly um, from one emphasis to the next uh, when you've got this program in place. Yeah, I mean, I can see the power of it the way you've laid it out. And hearing you talk about it before and seeing the pieces, it was like, all right, I can understand how this works. But talking to you today where you spelled it all out, it is such a powerful program. And I am excited to see what some listeners are able to do with it. I'm excited to see um, what some of your clients have done with that. So once they have this in place, once they've done with it, once they've switched um, away from the 30 posts in 30 days and once they're on a more sustainable schedule, is this something that they typically do sustain indefinitely? Yeah, you want to do community building tactics on a daily basis. That can be assigned to even an intern. 
And there are certain tools that I go through, uh, like Manage Flitter, Social Loom, Hootsuite Pro, um, and, and show them why we're using this tool in this specific way. Because some of the tools have some of the same fe- features, but not quite doing it the same way. So going through those tutorials, you can teach those to anybody. I mean, it, it, it takes 20 minutes to get somebody up and going, like in Manage Flitter. And so if you've got a turnover, it, it's easy to replace those who are doing some of the grunt work of the program. But, you know, you don't want your business development director doing all of those tactics. You can have them oversee. You can even have it outsourced and somebody doing it remotely. Uh, but you want it to be consistent. So if they're not doing community building um, tactics uh, using the various tools on a daily basis, you're missing out. And so you want to continue to grow that online audience and, you know, consistently putting out the newsletter like every other week, reviewing your analytics. It's going to tell you so much, like what content is most appealing, what content is the least appealing, and help your writing team to focus more and more on the content that creates appeal. Right. It, this is an, it's an iterative process where you're feeling around, you're getting results, you're seeing what works and then doing more of what works. And it's clear from talking to you that this system on the whole has gone through that process itself and what you've laid out really does work and has a lot of power. So I want to thank you, Michael, so much for sharing that. And before we wrap up, where can listeners go if they're curious to hear more about setting up niche blogs, if they're curious just to hear more in general from you, where is the best place for them to go? Everything's on my website. It's the center hub of my uh, new business strategy. It would be for any agency, you know, that I work with is creating that niche blog. Mine is fuelingnewbusiness.com or they can get there through michaelgas.com. And I remember you, you had mentioned before about um, a seven steps guide to putting it all together. Is that something that listeners will be able to find online? Uh, it's not available online, but they can email me, michael at michaelgas.com, and I'll be glad to send a PDF. It'll include uh, links to a number of examples uh, that usually really helps uh, to get a, more of an understanding of how it all comes together and works. Awesome. And I'm going to make sure to get all that linked up in the show notes. And if you've been listening and would like a little bit more help on this and want to see something in front of you to walk through the steps, check out the show notes, but also send Michael an email to get that guide because I know that will be a big help. And I know that these things will have a huge impact on your agency. So Michael, thank you so much for the time today. It was a lot of fun chatting with you. Good to talk with you, Andy. Thanks for having me. Whatever your reason was for not taking content marketing seriously as a way to grow your agency, I hope after hearing Michael today that you're having some second thoughts. When done right, and Michael shared exactly how to do it right, content marketing can be the primary driver of new business for your agency. Not only can it fill your pipeline, but the quality of prospects you will get are going to dramatically increase because instead of chasing down those prospects, they're coming to you. Through your content, they already trust you and they feel like they know you, and this dramatically reduces resistance during the sales cycle. With the way your schedule looks now, I know you don't have the time to start blogging, but unless your pipeline is just overflowing with high-quality prospects right now, then maybe it's time for you to make the time. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners, and positive reviews really help us grow the audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and you're tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right, I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.